Welcome to the Lives of Courage podcast with me, Jessica Stong. Each week, we'll look at ways to choose courage every day, as I know even the smallest acts of courage matter. Through inspiration and action, we can grow into who we are truly meant to be. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I'm going live. We'll see. I think I'm live. We did it. Yay. Okay. Going live in two places, guys, because we're that fancy right now. I'm so excited to see you all. Happy, happy day. Okay. So we have well, some, someone sent me a really great question when I was checking. I had gone live in stories and I was looking. Good morning. Um, someone said, remind me of the cognitive distortions that you talk so much about, which I thought was so helpful. So you will remember that I, my background's cognitive behavioral interventions. Um, and we, what I help people do is see that their minds sometimes play tricks on them. Some people say these are thought errors or lies that your brain tells you. It's a variety of ways that your brain will often keep you stuck. When we know that our primitive brain is so scared of change, when we understand that our brains are designed to look for fear and danger and all the things around us, we understand that cognitive distortions are a part of life. Cognitive distortions are just our brain's way of, of just staying safe. So here's what happens. We have roughly 10-ish cognitive distortions. And let me go through those pretty quickly. Um, and then I'm going to be doing... Um, some reels about cognitive distortions. So get ready. So there is the all or nothing or polarized thinking. I don't know where to look because I'm going live on both Instagram and the Facebooks. So you guys, if you need me, let me know. Um, and if you have questions, if I keep talking and you're like, wait a minute, I want to know what's happening. Please type in any comments. Okay. Just, just shout out. Um, okay. So we have um, this polarized thinking, this black or white thinking. In other words, a person might not be willing to really see their situation. They want to do this black or white. My brain does this. You're either with me or get, you're either lazy or work really hard. I'm either good or I'm bad. Or other people are this and I'm this. And so really it's, it's, keeping us in a situation where we have to see this, there's no gray area. And as Daniel Siegel says, that the river of mental health requires the gray, requires the middle road. And on one bank is, right, um, the, the idea of, of rigidity on, on one other side, it's chaos on the other side of the river. And so really we have to learn how to see the gray. And I say this, like my husband's always annoying. I hear this so often in my coaching practice or my kids or 
always bad or my life is always hard. And that's that all or nothing thinking that keeps us stuck. Second is overgeneralization. I am so good at most of these and you will see patterns in your thoughts in the way that you've learned the limiting beliefs, the automatic negative thoughts, those that you automatically think. So overgeneralization is when there's a single occurrence, but you take that single occurrence and it, it means that it happens forever. So like, or bias, one instance you use and take for the full thing. And you know, um, this idea of confirmation bias really plays into this is that when we have one instance, our brain picks up on that and says, see, it's always that way. So we overgeneralize as a way to, again, protect ourselves. Nothing is wrong when you have these distortions. Your brain's doing its job and they're universal, right? So any distortion that you have right now um, is, is, what a lot of people have. So I don't, there's a reason that we're able to identify these because so many people have them. Okay. So next we have um, jumping to conclusions and we, there are two ways of doing this. One is mind reading, which I'm so good at because I love to read other people's minds. I love to read the mind of my spouse or my children or those that um, have political differences than me. I think about, oh, this is what they're thinking or someone socially or someone on the social media, this is what they'll think. Um, I often hear this in my clients. They're like, I don't wanna post that. I don't wanna be judged. Well, what if you don't really know? You can't read people's minds. And so then the other my favorite one, right, is the fortune telling. So we decide something's going to happen or something might happen. Therefore, it's not worth doing. We might be interested in something, but we're like, ah, it won't work out, right? Think of all the, the, the blocks that you give. I'm not ready. I'm not. So you are, are deciding that you know what's going to happen. You're going to jump to conclusions. And truly, that's a thought error. That is the cognitive distortion that we can see and we can identify and say, well, maybe this isn't what I want. This isn't the truth of how I think about this. So we get to make decisions. Um, again, another cognitive um, distortion is magnifying or minimizing. It's where you exaggerate an outcome or a situation or a thought, or on the other hand, you would minimize it. Um, so this happens with this idea that a person may magnify a criticism um, and minimize a, a compliment, right? You, we, we look to how many people looked at, um, something on social media and we will minimize that or we'll minimize our work, we'll minimize who we are. And oftentimes women are well rehearsed in minimization, right? It's a habitual pattern because it has been self-preservation. Um, we believe like we'll get an award for something. We're like, well, no one else was nominated or no one else applied, which is, is so 
heartbreaking. I'll say to clients, like, you are doing incredible work. And they will say things like, but I should have done it years ago. No, no, you are minimizing the work you're doing right now. And one of the ways that we really are able to identify these cognitive distortions is really through awareness. It's through understanding where we are right now. And are these thoughts the truth that we want to believe, the truth of all of this? So um, I another great cognitive distortion, sweet friends, is emotional reasoning. And in this, um, we identify and really we take our emotions as facts. So we understand that if our emotion, if we feel it, it must be true. It must be real. And we find reasons to then justify this, this idea. So let's understand that our, our truth, the truth is is that our emotional state in any given moment is based on our thoughts and not our circumstances, not our reality. It's rarely indicative of reality. But so many of us believe that um, if we're angry, we're an angry person. If we're judgmental, we're just wholly wrong, we're flawed, we're... So, or that if we need to take time, if we feel tired, we are a lazy person. I hear that so often. Um, I was lazy this weekend. I'll say, how was your weekend to a client? No, I was lazy this weekend. No, you weren't lazy. You made decisions to take care of yourself. So that emotional reasoning shows up so often in so many lives, in my lives too. Okay, so you guys also know one of my favorite cognitive distortions that I talk about so often or thought errors is this should, these should statements, right? It's I should be better. I should do this. These are the manuals that we have for our lives that are often unchecked that are given to us by our families of origin, by our society. And we just go along with it, right? We're like, I, sh I should do this. We see it in religion. We see it in parenting. We see it in how we have businesses or like it's what we should do rather than what we want to do. And when we live a life of shoulds, right? We're wearing masks. We're not living as our true self. We're saying, this is what I should do. And how do you step into the silence that is required to say, but what do I want? How do you write your manual for your life? And does it look like an Ikea manual and you don't even know what it looks like? Or, or are you able to reflect and say, this is what I desire, what I want, what my relationship with the divine, it, experience for me. Um, I'm teaching uh, emotional healthy spirituality. It's a it's based on a book by Peter Scazzaro. And in it, he talks about our family commandments, our family 10 commandments. And that to me is like the manual for our life, right? For those of us that read the Bible, we see for those those commandments are a way to live and, and a way to understand, but we've created our own. We've created our own manuals for our lives. 
And when we live in the shoulds, we don't experience the abundance and the freedom that comes from living in our truth and living with that awareness. Okay, so um, the, the next thought error is um, labeling and mislabeling. And this is another form of overgeneralization, that tendency to assign a judgment or label to a single event or instance. And so when we allow the event to define ourselves, like I goofed this one up, I messed this up, therefore I am a failure, right? Or we label others. If someone, this is always my favorite, like I've labeled people as unkind because they weren't quick to greet me with the same enthusiasm that I greeted them. I, I am outwardly excited to meet people. And here's the deal, friends. Some people experience social anxiety. It happens in my family. Some people take a while to warm up. So for me to say this person is unkind because in the beginning they weren't, they didn't return how I thought that they should behave. Labeling happens when we apply a label that is not just overgeneralized, but it's inaccurate and is usually, and you know this is happening and I help my clients, it's highly emotional and it's exaggerated, right? Um, labeling and mislabeling happens in our world for others that we fear. The other that doesn't look the same way as us, that doesn't act the same way as us. And so we there, therefore decide that something is wrong. Next cognitive distortion is over general, over, um, no, it's just personalization. I don't know why I wanted to say over personalization. So it's, it's one that many, many of us can relate to and we experience at some points or often, right? We take things personally. We blame ourselves for something in a very illogical way. So we decide that someone's acting a certain way because I didn't do something right or that we are the cause of their bad mood, which I is a mood good or bad. No, all moods are, are necessary. All emotions are necessary, but we've decided our society is labeled good, bad, right, wrong. What if we could see all emotions as either serving or disserving or necessary. I believe emotions are the key to unlock ourselves, our soul. And so when we say that some emotions are good or bad, what are we saying? Oh, I get frustrated when my boyfriend doesn't respond how I want him to. And then I feel rejected. Oh, sweet friend. Because we're saying it's about us. We're not saying Clearly this person, and I get this at a deep level, right? Let's just be clear here. I do, I do this often. So I want you to think like, I can explain this on a cognitive level, but when it goes to applying it in my life, it's very difficult. So we understand that people don't share 
our same manuals for how they should respond. And so it is our opportunity to say to someone, here's what I need from you, or here's what I would like from you. I often will have to say, I need you to listen. I need you to help me problem solve. I need you, this is to my spouse, um, because they want to respond in the way that they know how to respond. And sometimes that doesn't look like the way we want them to. So we have to have our own manual for how someone else should behave in check. And that is the hardest thing for me to do because I'm emotional, right? We know we're living in that amygdala firestorm when we're highly emotional. And we want someone to connect. We want someone to reach out. And we personalize it when we feel like they are doing something that is, is not supportive. It's often just what they're going through. And we can never, ever understand what is happening in someone else's brain. And that's the really difficult thing. We can't mind read. We can't fortune tell. And that's the hardest thing about these cognitive distortions is it requires us to go deep and to say, okay, something is happening here. I understand. So we have to be super clear, super mindful of the thoughts that are leading us to expect something of someone. So we have to say and, and preface it with, this is what I need from you. Because I know you just want to help me. And we're, you know, we're priming their, their way. Okay, so I hope that helped. But if not, please type it in and I can keep going on that. Okay, so after um, personalization, we also blame. Again, my favorite. I'm super good at this. On the other end of the spectrum. So I see people um, like me with tendency towards anxiety and depression. We will personalize things. We will turn it inward. We'll blame ourselves. And those um, who might have different coping strategies, they often tend to outwardly blame. So we can inward, we can blame ourselves or we can blame others. So, so we would blame others for our, our, our situation, our circumstances, how we feel. When we, understand, when we blame, we are giving someone else power. And this is very nuanced and very hard. We blame them. We know that the only thing we can control are our thoughts and emotions. That's it. We can't control other people. We can't control our situation. We can't control a diagnosis. We can't control our situation or circumstances. Um, but we can control what we think about it and what we feel about it. So we often things happen, we feel shame. And so that to release the, the pain of shame, the emotion and all the emotions that come with something bad happening, we want to blame. It's that release valve. So are you an external blamer or internal blamer? That's something to know, or does it vary situation by situation? Another cognitive distortion, sweet friends, is the fallacy of fairness. 
And this, I think, for me, is one of the most challenging cognitive distortions to coach on, and also for my brain to wrap my head around. We all want to believe that life should be fair, that we should be treated fairly. We judge situations, whether they're fair or not. I mean, like it's, it's from birth, right? My, from little, when they were little, my children love to say that's not fair. We also have lots of information, right? I'm a Libra and I believe it's data, not destiny, right? So I have this internal sense based on my temperament or whatever you want to believe on this internal sense of fairness. And so I, I judge things, I reject, I blame, I engage in so many personalization, so many different other cognitive distortions because of this fallacy of fairness. Another um, cognitive distortion that we don't always see um, on, on, um, on every a uh, list of cognitive distortions is the fallacy of change, the belief and expectations that we can change to meet others' needs, okay? Or there's my other favorite is the fallacy of always being right, right? Um, or, okay, so then we also have um, mental filtering. It's similar to overgeneralization, right? So that we focus on one thing, uh, because of our negativity bias, usually the negative, instead of seeing all the other sides. We do this when we think about wealth. We don't think about abundance in all its forms. We focus on one thing that we've decided determines whether we're wealthy or not, and that's money. But abundance shows up in so many other ways. Okay, another cognitive distortion is discounting the positive. So we will right? Say, oh, doesn't count, doesn't count. So one, one of my um, clients was writing down a list of gratitudes. And I was like, what about just being grateful for a great a sunny day? And they were like, well, that doesn't count because I didn't have any control over that. What are you noticing? What we notice we get more of. Um, so I really offer these cognitive distortions to you as a tool, as a way in to understand what's happening in your mind. And that was supposed to take five minutes and it didn't. So I'm sorry about that. But if you have more questions, let me know. And um, I got this question as well. I hear so much about mindfulness. How can I even take the time to meditate as a busy mom and employee? I feel guilty if I do and guilty if I don't. A, mindfulness. Contrary to what is out there um, on, on pop, pop media, pop psychology, mindfulness is so much more than meditation. Mindfulness is being present in the moment, in the experience. Mindfulness is being, is where you are right now. So we understand that we can be mindful in every moment of our lives. I can be mindful while speaking. I can be mindful. My work is to be mindful when I'm doing things that I don't care for, like laundry and the dishes, if I'm honest, and sweeping up dog hair for a dog that 
I'm ready to give away half of the time because he barks so much, but he's super cute. I'm not really, I, I need you to know that. But like I have, I am called to be present and aware and intentional in all aspects of my life. And often I have to ask myself the question, where am I right now? Am I here? Am I in the past? Am I in the future? Am I trying to fortune tell? Am I trying to mind read? Am I engaging in those cognitive distortions that we just discussed? Or am I right here? So our practice of mindfulness doesn't involve, I mean, it does involve meditation if you want it to involve meditation. But our practice of mindfulness is an exercise in being constantly present to our thoughts and emotions in any given moment. And that's what we're doing in the Courageous Life Society. So what do you get with the Courageous Life Society? You get a masterclass and you get four weeks or maybe five weeks, I'm not quite sure, I should know this, of training, right? You will get mindfulness exercises. You will get coached on what it means to be present in the moment, on what it means to operate from all of those cognitive distortions. So we understand that there are tools into self-exploration, right? We sit with ourselves. We can pray. We can journal. We can do yoga. We can breathe. We can fill in the blank. But all of those are routes into us, routes into that inner experience of living our lives. And oftentimes we are so afraid of being attuned, being interested in that introspective aspect of who we are because our thoughts and emotions frankly scare us and we don't think we can handle them. So the more work we do, the greater attention we pay to this experience of, of being known and knowing ourselves deeply changes at a fundamental level who we are. We take off the masks. We no longer have to live by the shoulds of our lives. And we get clear and we get silence to be able to hear. That's what mindfulness is. It's not some mumbo jumbo, although it is, right? Like it, it can be anything and everything you want. But the only thing it is to me is the door into you or the door back to you, the door to you. Okay, sweet friends, please know you can send me questions, hello at jessicastong.com. I'm always here for you. I'm so grateful for each of you. And until next week, sending you all my hugs. Okay, sweet friends, I'll see you. And as always, I want to remind you, if you want more information about how to work with me, if you really um, have heard anything on this episode that you're like, wait a minute, you can go to jessicastong.com. You can learn more information about the Courageous Life Society, a group coaching membership that really helps you take all this information and apply it. And also you can get more information about one-on-one -on -one coaching. Thank you so much and have a great and courageous week, everyone.